Well, today we start a new series called Entrusted. Before I jump into that, let me begin. When I was a kid, I watched uh, Cat in the Hat. How many of y'all saw the Cat in the Hat or read the book Cat in the Hat? Is that most of you? Is that a few of you? Is that... All right. Well, if, if you've read the book or if you saw that old Dr. Seuss cartoonish kind of show, Cat in the Hat, I know they made a movie, movie out of it, but that was after my time. But the Cat in the Hat was the story about little Sally and her younger brother living uh, in a home. And uh, they, they were staying in their home by themselves on a rainy afternoon uh, Mama had just left, dro- driven off in the car, and, and their little Sally and her younger brother were there uh, when all of a sudden they heard this big bump and, uh, and, and a cat in a red striped hat shows up. Uh, I'm not going to detail everything that happens, but I remember as a child or as a young person watching Cat in a Hat or reading about Cat in a Hat, and I thought to myself, if somebody like that showed up when my mama and daddy were away, uh, I would be in serious trouble. In fact, little Sally and her younger brother, through all the different chaotic games that Cat in the Hat show, uh, uh, led them through, all the different balancing acts and, and, and uh, uh, destruction that, that he brought on that home, little Sally and her younger brother also felt, oh my goodness, we're about to get in some serious trouble because of the damage and the carnage that was created in that home. I remember thinking to myself, I, I, my brother and I, he, he's a little bit older than I am. He was usually the cat in the hat to my world. Uh, y'all will get that later. Uh, but, but we didn't really need any help to create chaos. Uh, but, but if the cat in the hat ever showed up, we would be in trouble. Now, certainly uh, the story ends better than not because the cat in the hat comes home Uh, comes back just in time, right before Mama enters the house and restores the house to its pristine beauty uh, before he created the chaos, Uh, to Sally and her little brother's relief. Today, we begin this series called Entrusted. (laughs) When, When my mom and dad left my older brother and me in the home by ourselves, we were entrusted with that home's care. We didn't own the home. Uh, we just lived in it. But we knew that we were responsible for everything in that home and outside that home to be uh, in pristine condition when mom and dad came back. We were not always successful. Sometimes the cat in the hat showed up metaphorically and uh, we created certain levels of carnage to which we experienced the discipline of of our parents uh, when they arrived. There was one in particular, uh, one situation in particular. We were playing soccer in the house. Mom and dad didn't want us to play soccer in the house. Don't know why. Uh, we were playing soccer in the house, and one of my mom's antique glass lampshades uh, was the beneficiary of one of, I think it was my brother who kicked the ball at that time, but uh, I'll blame everything on him. Uh, but uh, it, it hit that lampshade, and the lampshade broke. Luckily, it only broke in three pieces. We were able to take Elmer's and try to fix it, and, and we fixed it for a moment. Uh, but eventually, uh, later that day, my mom found it, and we were in hot water. We experienced the consequence. Now, now we were given custody. We were entrusted uh, and, and responsible 
for uh, that lampshade being protected, but we failed in our assignment. Now, what we're going to look at in this series is how God has entrusted uh, entrusted to us the care over things that belong to Him. Uh, We have been entrusted with the care of things that belong to God. They they don't belong to us, they belong to God. Uh, We're going to begin this journey in Genesis chapter 2. And and as we look at Genesis chapter 2, let me catch you up to what's happened. God's made the heavens and the earth. He took seven days uh, and uh, at six days he rested. Uh, In chapter 2, we have kind of a rehearsal of that. God made Adam and Eve uh, and uh, he took Adam, put him in the garden, and in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, listen uh, to the, the assignment that God gave to Adam. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, then the Lord sa- uh, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. Now, what God does is he he creates this paradise called the Garden of Eden, then he puts uh, humanity in the midst of that garden, Adam and Eve in the midst of the garden, and he gives them, entrusts to them, the assignment of caring for his creation to tend and to keep it. And that initial act of God's gracious dealings with humanity sets the stage for you and for me today. You see, God still assigns us, entrusts to us, uh, the stewardship of the things that belong to Him. He calls us to take care of the things that belong to Him. Now, Psalm Chapter 24, verse 1 tells us what belongs to the Lord. You may remember this verse. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. The earth and all of its fullness belong to the Lord. That's everything. And and just like Genesis chapter 2, God made the heavens and the earth. He made the animals. He he made the trees. He he made the he 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 made the 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 grass, he made the sea, everything that's in the earth, he made it. Everything that's on the earth, he made it. God made the earth itself. And so the psalmist says what Genesis has already proclaimed that everything in the earth, on the earth, the earth and all of its fullness, including you and me and the coat I'm wearing and the shoes that are on my feet and the socks underneath the shoes, everything belongs to the Lord. Everything in your bank account, everything in your IRA, everything in your child's savings account, everything in, in, in your home, all the carpet and the wood floors and the refrigerator and, and uh, the groceries in the refrigerator, everything in your pantry, everything belongs to the Lord. You own a piece of property in North Carolina or, or, or the, 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 the hill country of of uh, Texas, or, or uh, you own a, a timeshare in Florida, whatever it is that you think you own, you need to reevaluate because you don't own it. It's not yours. It belongs to the Lord. He has first right of ownership. And even though 
we sign our names on a deed and, and pretend like uh, that, that home is ours or those cars are ours, those homes and those cars belong to the Lord. Everything belongs to God. And he created this universe and he placed us in it so that we would be entrusted with keeping it and tending it. Do you realize that God has given you and me as his creative work, as his unique creative gem, made in his image, he has given us, entrusted to us, the responsibility to care for what is his. He gave that care to us at the very beginning of time. Adam and Eve, as representatives of all humanity, were given responsibility, given the work to tend and keep the Garden of Eden. In the same way, you and I have been given the responsibility to work and keep the, the, the universe, the, the stuff that belongs to God. We're, we're managers, but we're not owners. And so as we look at this passage, what, what God wants us to see first and foremost is that you and I have an assignment. We have a call to tend and keep. Uh, the verb for tend there in verse 15 in the New King James Version, tend, is a Hebrew term uh, that literally means work or serve, even worship. It's a Hebrew term that's used uh, for the Levite priests in the Old Testament as they worked for the Lord. It's that same term that, that speaks about serving the Lord for His good and for His glory. And so as we look at this passage, the very first assignment that God gave humanity was to serve him by taking care of the stuff that belongs to him. To serve him by taking care of the land that, that he owns, but we get to live upon. And that was the very first assignment. The question is, how well are we keeping, tending what belongs to the Lord? Are we doing a good job? Uh, when, when we look at this passage, we see that we're to be productive with the stuff that belongs to the Lord. Being productive means that we do more than just uh, walk around on the grass and, and drive our own car, but rather we see how the grass that we walk on and the car that we drive belong to God, and we are merely entrusted with taking care of it, of using it for His service. It's a powerful picture of the very beginning of time. In fact, I would contend that God sets up this, this, uh, this triangle of sorts uh, in this passage. There is God at the tip of the triangle. There is humanity at one corner, and then at the other corner, there is the stuff that belongs to God. And in this triangle, we have relationship. 
our relationship first and foremost with God, and then our relationship with the things that we hold in our hand, the things that we see with our eyes, the, the things that we, that we taste, the things that we eat. We, we have a relationship with God first and a relationship with the stuff that God owns. Now, God has defined that relationship specifically. He says, all right, now what we're supposed to do in relationship with him is to obey him, to live in communion with him, to work in such a way that we worship him. But we're also supposed to relate to the things he owns in an appropriate way. And that is understanding whose ownership these things, uh, whose ownership they are. The things that we see and taste and touch and drive and live in and sleep on, those things belong to God. And we are not owners of those things. We are stewards of those things. We are managers. We are to produce. We are to work to take care of those things. The second thing that we see in this passage is not only tend, but keep. And keep is a term uh, it's the Hebrew term, Shema, and it means to guard, uh, to preserve, to protect. So God gives us an assignment to work and to protect, to produce and to preserve the things that belong to God. Now, we've been entrusted with this wondrous, beautiful stewardship. Y'all know I love the outdoors. I do. I, I love them. I, I love the fact that the Great Smoky Mountain National Park is 100 years old, and, and I enjoy going there and experiencing the pristine beauty of God's creation. And I do my part. I do everything that I can to help protect and produce in God's creation. We've lost sight of some of this. Uh, because we're no longer bound by uh, farming as, uh, a, as a nation uh, and in our communities. Farming is, most, for most of us, a, a pastime, not a livelihood. But in the days of the Old Testament and in the New Testament, farming was one of the primary, if not the primary way of life. And God gave an assignment to humanity from the very beginning to have a responsible attitude toward the land, to keep it and to guard it, to tend it, to work it, and to guard it. Now, the beauty of this is that when we do produce and preserve the land, the land produces for us. The land becomes beneficial to us. And that is a beautiful picture of the relationship. Now, here's what I would say. Because we're not living in such an agrarian uh, uh, lifestyle any longer in our, in our setting, in our day and time, I would say that the picture is not primarily uh, keyed in on farming or ecological things, environmentalism, although that's very important. The key ingredient here is that God has put in our hands some things. Not everything that he owns, but some things. 
And what he has put in your hands and mine, he's entrusted to us so that we would produce for his glory from it and so that we would preserve it for his kingdom's sake. It is the picture of, that Jesus told about uh, the, the rich man who had these servants and he was going away to a far country and he gave to his servants different resources. He said, now I want you to take care of these things. I want you to work this, these resources and I want you to preserve these resources. And the three servants uh, took uh, the resources that their master had given them. So one uh, uh, produced greatly, the other produced in a medium way, the other buried it and, uh, and, and, and hid it and didn't do anything with it. When the master came back, he said to the first one who produced greatly and preserved uh, what the master owned, he said, well done. To the second one who did it in a medium way, he said, well done. But to the third who didn't produce, only preserved, he said, man, what have you been doing? He said it in harsher terms than that, but he said, what have you been doing? You're an unfaithful servant. You and I are here, and God has given us resources. God has given us uh, 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 managerial rights to things that belong to him. The question is, are we not just preserving them for our own good, but are we producing out of those things for his glory? You look at your home in a different way. You look at your automobiles or your, or, your, uh, uh, or, or, or your finances in a different way. You begin to evaluate those, not based upon what's good for you, but what is good for the owner of those resources. So today, as we look at the call to tend and keep, understand you have that call. You have that call on your life, just as I have it on mine, that we are called to tend and to keep. Now, here, here's another interesting part. In, in verses 16 and 17, God said, all right, so now uh, you have all these uh, resources in the Garden of Eden, and of every tree and plant you can freely eat. He said, the, the land, as you tend and keep it, it will tend and keep you. You see the reciprocal relationship. There's this wonderful relationship between God and humanity and between humanity and the stuff God owns. And, and God says, okay, now you have all this stuff that I own. If you tend and keep it in a faithful way, then it will provide for you. But then he adds this one prohibition. He says, but there's one tree that you shall never eat of, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So God said, all the Garden of Eden is mine. And you have free reign to utilize everything in the garden except for this one thing. And that is holy unto the Lord. In some ways, it's a picture of what uh, God initiated with the children of Israel as they, were, as, as they had formed as a nation, as they were traveling through the wilderness, as they made their way to the promised land. As they entered the promised land, God set up these codes for them to follow. And part of that code was, he said, okay, you have this land and you're supposed to take care of the land. You're to tend and keep the land and you're going to benefit. You can eat everything that you farm and grow. You can sell it and you can live off the produce and the, and the, and the profit. You can do all of that except for a portion. 
And this portion is holy to the Lord. And you are to bring this portion and return it back to God and give it to him. Just like God said, in the Garden of Eden, you can eat everything except for this tree. It is holy unto the Lord. Don't touch it. In the same way, he said to the children of Israel, you can eat everything. I've given you the land. I've given you the produce. I'll I'll produce the benefit. You can eat everything except for this portion. You're supposed to return that portion to me. It's holy to the Lord. Don't touch it. And in the same way, he does for us. He says to you and to me, I've given you all these resources. And you are to tend and keep it. And you can live off the benefit of my resources that I put in your hand. You can live off all of it except for this portion. This portion is holy to the Lord. Don't touch it. So as we look at our call today, God's called us to take care of the things that belong to him. And everything belongs to him. Everything that we have belongs to him. He's given us the opportunity to tend and keep it. But as we look at this passage and we look at the story of humanity, one thing becomes very clear. Sin spoils our stewardship. What gets in the way of us experiencing the lively fulfillment that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden at the very beginning? Understand, do you realize that there's work in paradise? I want you to understand that. Uh, I want you to see that work is something holy unto the Lord. Uh, We begin to think that heaven is going to be a place where we're sitting on clouds playing harps and singing music to each other. And I I think that that will be part of it, but that's not all of it. I don't think we'll be sitting on clouds. But but, that'll be part of it, but not all of it. Just as there was work for God's glory in the Garden of Eden, I believe in heaven there will be work... For God's glory in eternity. We know about work. But for all of us at different times, and some of us even today, work is not a delight, but a drudgery. Work is not something that is fulfilling, but something that is frustrating. Now, why is that? It's because sin has spoiled our stewardship. You look in Genesis chapter 3 and verses uh, 17 through 19, you see what happens. See, Adam and Eve uh, understood their assignment to tend and to keep. Everything belongs to the Lord, and they had free reign over everything except for one tree, and that was holy unto the Lord. But here's what they did. They began to believe that everything belonged to them. They understood their assignment, but they began to believe and live out as if everything was theirs, even the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so they did the unthinkable. They sinned. They rebelled. They disobeyed God. They touched the tree that was holy unto the Lord that was set apart only for him. They touched it. They ate of the fruit, and then they experienced the consequence. Chaos and carnage entered the scene of human history. And in Genesis 3, 17 through 19, God pronounced his judgment on Adam in particular, us universally. 
No longer would we be tending and keeping the, the, the Garden of Eden and finding fulfillment in that work because it's holy unto the Lord and it's glorious for him and for us. But now our work with the land would be a toil. And it would be uh, filled with uh, drudgery and it would be filled with frustration. And it would be uh, characterized by hard work, sweat, and even tears. It wasn't just a picture of Adam working the land, but it's also a picture of you and me today. See, what sin does is it destroys in that triangle. There's you and me down here at this corner and the stuff God owns on this corner and God at the top of the triangle. What sin does is it destroys that, that connecting line between us and God. And it creates this line between us and the things God owns that's crooked. So that we begin to look at the stuff in our hands as belonging to us rather than to God. And we look at the stuff in our hands as an avenue for our personal fulfillment. And we look at the stuff in our hands as, 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 the, as the source of our satisfaction. But God never set it up that way. Because sin has disrupted and destroyed our communion and our relationship with God, we now have a crooked line between us and our possessions so that we don't see those possessions as something that belongs to God, but rather we see them as something that belongs to us. And when we believe that the stuff that belongs to God belongs to us, we are spoiled. Sin has devastating consequences to us. And many of us, even though we're followers of Jesus, many of us are still living in this deceived kind of thinking that the line between us and the possessions, the stuff, we still believe that that stuff still belongs to us. See, the beautiful picture that we have in Genesis 2 is that when we live in harmony with God, then we will live productively with the stuff he owns and that he's entrusted to us. The horrible picture of Genesis 3 is that when we are out of harmony with God because of our sin, then we will find only frustration in the stuff that we hold in our hands. God has entrusted to us the care over things that belong to him, and sin has spoiled that stewardship. But the good news is, for us, is that Jesus restores the satisfaction in stewardship. Guys, and I, I don't want to belabor this, and, and, and I'm not going to go on and on and on about this, but here's the deal. The chaos that we inherited because of our sin, the chaos that we've chosen because of our sin, the chaos that leads us to a lack of fulfillment and satisfaction and causes us to fail in the assignment entrusted to us by God. All of that is overturned by Jesus who has come to set things right. 
All of that has been overturned by Jesus who restores to us the way things were meant to be. The only way that you and I can have a healthy attitude toward the stuff is by living in harmony with God. There's no other way. The only way that we can find satisfaction in the stuff, in the work that we do and the uh, money that we make and the job that we fulfill, the, the, the work we do even in the yard, the only way we can be fully satisfied in the stuff is when we understand that the stuff belongs to God, not to us. The way God set up creation was that we would walk rightly with him and that we would have the right attitude towards stuff. Sin destroys that harmony with God and therefore makes crooked our evaluation of the stuff. But Jesus has come to restore our relationship with God and give us a right attitude toward the stuff. Leading us back to the Garden of Eden where we find fulfillment in God and in faithfully fulfilling the responsibility that he's given us in the stuff that he owns. Now, the, the, the way we look at our life in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, it says that, that we are to put on this new man that's made in God's image. He's, he's saying in Colossians 3.10 that when we come to Jesus that, that we're to put aside that, that crooked way of thinking and crooked way of living and we're to embrace this new man. And, and that's the work of the Spirit of God in our lives made available to us through Jesus Christ because Jesus came and died on a cross for sinners like you and me. And when we by faith trust Jesus as our only hope for rescue and life, when we are drawn to the Father by Jesus Christ the Son, inspired by the Spirit, made alive again through faith in Jesus and repentance of our sin, it's in that moment that we have a new way of living. We put on the new person. We put on that new way of living and thinking. We are living in harmony with God. And we have a right attitude toward the stuff. Remember how God set it up. He said, you've got all these resources that I put in your hands. But there is a portion that belongs wholly unto me. All these other resources you can use for my glory and even for your benefit. You can eat of any tree and plant and animal in the whole of the Garden of Eden. But there's a portion that is holy unto the Lord. There's a portion that he requires us to return back to him. God in his grace and by his spirit reveals to you as a follower of Jesus what that portion is. And so my cry to you today is to find your satisfaction in Jesus alone. 
who restores to us life the way it was intended to be and gives us a proper attitude about the stuff. That we put on the new man who is Jesus Christ in us. That we kill that old nature, that crooked way of thinking and living, where we live in harmony with God, surrendered to Him, so that when we view the stuff that He's put in our care, we commit ourselves to use the stuff for His glory to produce, to preserve the stuff, to protect it for His honor. And not to touch the portion that he has designated as holy unto himself. That's a long way around saying this. God's let you make money and he's let you have possessions. They belong to him. And God requires from each of us to be faithful to Jesus Christ and give back to God that portion that he's asked us to return to him. We are to be found faithful in caring for the, th- for the things that belong to God. And part of that faithfulness is returning to God the portion that he places upon our heart to give. My request of God today is not that we see an obligation, but that we start living in the delight The delight of a new person made in God's image. A new person reforged on the anvil of salvation by Jesus Christ that we would live in intimacy with God. And the way we manage the stuff he's put in our care will demonstrate our harmony with our King. So today, I invite you. I invite you to cling to Jesus because really it's Jesus who's the one that will inspire us to faithfully fulfill the entrusted care that God has given us. It's Jesus who motivates us, equips us, encourages us to do and to be who God has saved us to be and to do. Today, God's given you an assignment as a follower of Jesus. Will you fulfill your calling? Would you bow your heads with me, please? You know... Today is a message that can burn in our hearts and can do a lot of different things inside of us. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that today there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who live not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do in that is weaken the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he killed sin in the flesh. 
today, I pray that you would live not in condemnation, but in the liberty that Jesus gives us, in fellowship with him, surrendered to him, living in harmony with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So today, if nothing else happens, would you cry out for Jesus to help you? In a few moments, we're going to stand and sing. And, and, and the song that we're going to sing is a prayer for Jesus to overwhelm us with his love. For Jesus to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. For Jesus to equip us even with the entrusted care that God has given us. So as we worship the Lord together, maybe God's leading you to come to this altar in a renewed act of commitment. And maybe you need one of the ministers who will be here at the front to pray over you and pray with you. Maybe, just maybe, you have questions about what it means to live in harmony with God through faith in Jesus Christ. How can Jesus give you a brand new start? Whatever God leads you to do, I invite you to do it. Maybe you just need to sit and pray. Maybe you need to stand and sing this prayer. But God, as we gather here, I pray that you would be glorified. Help us to see how you've entrusted us to care for the things that belong to you. And show us our obligation to you. And show us how Jesus gives us the grace we need to fulfill our responsibilities today. May we lean fully in the arms of Jesus and set aside mulish thoughts of painful pride and embrace the humble thoughts of victory that you give us today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.